G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On 882.6 br inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Generations of excellence since 1888. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day, doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. I almost feel a little bit nervous sitting in front of my guest for this episode because in some circles, he's known as God's gift to radio. What he hasn't achieved in Perth radio in a career spanning about 50 odd years uh, well, I don't know. We might find out, but uh, he's certainly done a lot. So it's with great pleasure I say welcome and thanks for your time, Gary Roberts. Thank you, Tim. Gary, you've you've presided over some of the great success stories uh, in Perth Radio over that period of time. I'm assuming you drove your car in. What yes, station? What station were you listening to? Strangely enough, I was listening to Six PR. Yeah, <laughs> there is something associated with that because I left Nova and decided I need to make the cut. So yep. I'm not listening um, to FM radio stations currently. Okay. So yep. I'm either listening to music or I'm listening to talk. So okay. it's most unusual for me, although my first job in radio was at 3AW in Melbourne, a talk yep. station. So perhaps there's some heritage there. I don't know. Well, the 6PR people will be absolutely chuffed to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you must listen to, to, to the radio, though, still with a, with a critical ear. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, You'll never listen to radio the way I do because yeah. I've been running radio stations for so long um, that I always listen for the next step. What's the yeah. next step? What are we doing next? Yep. Did we get it right? Mm. Uh, are we going to address the issue that we had on the air? Mm. Um, yes, is the answer to the question. Um, you know, I, When you've got great teams, it's very easy to have conversations yep. uh, to resolve anything and or acknowledge achievement. Were you the sort of, uh, of boss of a radio station where you would uh, be tuning in, listening in your car, hear something you didn't like, something that could have been done better, and call the studio directly and say, hey, what was that about? A long time ago I may have done that. Um, <laughs> in the last decade or so, I'd wait until they got off the air before I crucified them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not true, actually. No, it was always the subject of a conversation about what yep. had taken place. Yep. Um, and it's important that conversation takes place in any radio station mm. so that everyone knows um, what they've done, yep. uh, whether it's been great and needs acknowledgement or whether it's uh, suspect or it needs to be embellished. Yeah. Look, we had, um, we had Fred Boddicker in uh, for one of those chats uh, a short time ago. He, he mentioned your name because your, your lives crossed paths uh, several decades ago and then I suppose what blossomed into the extraordinary success story of, of 96FM uh, here in Perth. But uh, I, I, we'll get to that in a, in a moment. But okay. uh, where did you find that pull to radio in the first place? Was it as a, as a young kid? I wish I could say uh, there was a reason. It was an accident. Um, I was looking for a job. I didn't want to work in the family business. Which was? Uh, my, my father was a mechanic yep. um, and had his own business and very successfully. And uh, he desperately wanted me to join the family business and it was the last thing I wanted to do was get my hands dirty. I'm not that sort of person. Um, so um, I started to look around and uh, I sent out um, applications to the television stations and the radio stations in yep. uh, Melbourne and out of nowhere I get a response from 3AW saying come in for an interview. I went in, got a job, was a panel operator um, and I thought I should be a technician. Yep. 
And uh, strangely enough, the guys on the air kept saying to me, you've got a great voice, you should be on the air. So I listened to that for a while and I thought, I don't know how I could ever be on the air, I'm not that sort of person. And um, another one of the guys there said to me, let's put a tape together and send it off and see what happens. So Mm. we did, we stayed back one night, we put a tape together, I sent it off. And uh, got a telegram back. That's how long ago it was. Uh, <laughs> <At least> it <laughs> congratulations, you've got a job. Um, so suddenly I was working at 2BE in Bega, um, much to my parents' disgust, because I was 17 years old and yeah. didn't even have a driver's license. So they had to drive me there. Um, and that's how. Drop you off, say goodbye, air... and all the best. Yeah, well, <laughs> mum apparently cried all the way back to Sydney. But so be it. Um, you know, parents do that. And yeah. Particularly mums. Yeah. So over east and then um, let's let's fast forward then to uh, – because you did spend, you know, a, a considerable chunk of your early career on air then, didn't you? Yes, I did, yeah. But uh, fast forward to uh, sort of late 70s uh, when you and Fred Bodica uh, came across each other. Okay. Because he, he tells – he's had a go to tell the story. Maybe correct any inaccuracies here. I don't think that Fred had any inaccuracies. <laughs> it was pretty straightforward. Um, I was approached. I was a program director. I had a very successful uh, year in uh, Newcastle at 2NX, then to 4AP in Brisbane. And I got approached to go to Auckland. And I thought, I never want to go to New Zealand. Are you kidding mm. me? Uh, and met an amazing guy, Derek Lowe, who was one of the two guys that started Radio Hauraki. And um, we spent a Sunday together mm. and just talked and talked and talked. And I drove him to the airport, put him on the plane and thought, that's the last I'll see of him. Except he gave me a book called The Shoestring Pirates. Um, and if you've read the book, you'll know how fascinating it is. So I got, drove back home, sat up until three o'clock, read the book. He phoned about eight o'clock in the morning and said, when are you starting? He knew me that well because once yeah. I read the book, I wanted to be part of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was pretty fabulous. So, I, so uh, is this is this the pirate radio station? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Iraqi radio, you know, it, it, but, and, but still in pirate in in, in pirate. No, it wasn't in pirate form then. Yeah, then they'd been okay. granted a license, the okay. only one in the world. Yeah, uh, and they were on the air and doing very well. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, my brief was all they had to do was maintain a number one radio station. <laughs> Uh, the day before I arrived, it dropped 8%. So <laughs> clearly there was some work to do. <laughs> and um, fortunately, Fred was there uh, along with some very talented people. Um, and once I got a handle on what Auckland was about, uh, we turned it around. And uh, it was about 12 months later, we yep. got it back to number one. Mm. Uh, and it was in fabulous shape. Yeah. And so the transition to Perth, uh, talk us through that. Uh, again, I got approached, um, there I was in Auckland, in the process of buying a house, and uh, I get a call from George Chapman, uh, wants to meet me in Sydney, would I fly over? And I said, okay, why? And he tells me, I said, okay, I'm on a plane. Uh, the opportunity to launch FM in Australia um, was just irresistible. Yep. So uh, I accepted the job, took a salary cut. Failed to tell my wife that. Um, (laughs) And we flew back to Perth, which is where we always wanted to be anyway. We'd spent two years here uh, in the 70s, and from the time we left, we always talked about coming back to Perth. Right. The opportunity to come back to Perth and launch FM in Australia was irresistible. Easy. Easy to So I cancelled the purchase of the house that we were busy buying in Auckland and uh, decided we'd buy one here when we got back, which we promptly did. Yeah. But uh, that's how it happened. Okay. Um, 96 FM, the first commercial uh, station on air here. Um, 
I, I can just I can remember I was just old enough to remember uh, it this just the sound of it kind of blowing people's minds. I was so used to hearing uh, their favourite music on on AM radio. Um, looking back, is that was that kind of one of the most magical times of your career? Absolutely. Um, the launch of '96 uh, was so intense, mm. and we delivered everything that we promised we were going to deliver in a very short period of time. We made outrageous promises and delivered it with great talent. Um, and all the guys that were on the air, and I know this sounds a bit, hmm, um, great voices, and they knew the music. Yep. God forbid they knew the music and they weren't just playing the same old top 40. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, crap. Um, <laughs> which I wasn't a fan of. So suddenly we were playing deep into albums and initially, we got questioned as to what the hell we were doing because yep. it wasn't consistent with all the AM stations and we sounded so different to everything yep. else in the market and, in fact, the country. Mm. Um, and I remember talking to one of the owners at that stage uh, about telling him, just wait until the first survey result, then we can have a discussion about whether what we're doing is right or wrong. And we debuted with a 12.9 and everyone went, oh, my God. Mm. First survey up, and you've got over 300,000 listeners and mm. a 12.9. Yep. That's never happened. Yep. Um, so we were the best out of the block in the country. Yep. Um, but it was the way we approached it with the talent that we had. Um, and adding Fred to that was a hell of a yep. bonus. Yeah. So you, I imagine, had a pretty limited time to actually get things happening from from uh, from the purchase to you know the idea, yes, let's do it, let's, let's commit to this, uh, the clock's ticking. Um, really, in terms of starting something from scratch, this was really going from nothing to a full operating radio station. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, um, what was the pressure like? Unbelievable. Because you've got, I think the owners at the time, you had Jack Bendat, uh, Kerry Stokes, Stokes, and there was another. Ryan Treasure. Yeah. Um, Brian you know, was the chair and people who have got guy. strong personalities and probably oh, wanted think? a little return on their investment. <laughs> Just a bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Well, the expectation was that FM wasn't going to be successful. Yeah. Um, a lot of people thought it was a pointless exercise. I happen to believe passionately that it was going to be the future, which yeah. is why I so desperately wanted to mm. be part of it. And certainly I thought it could make a lot of money. Um, but the key shareholders didn't understand that right at the very beginning. In fact, I think I'm probably the only program director ever to walk in and demand a sales team. Mm. <laughs> <So> Fancy that. <laughs> um, Gary, we need to uh, head to a break, but I really want to get into uh, those heady days of, uh, of radio in Perth uh, in the 80s because I'm sure it's a fascinating time. I'm sure there are many stories you can't share with us, but I'm <laughs> hoping that you will uh, right after we take a break. This is WA's Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, in this episode, uh, we are hearing all about Gary Roberts, Perth radio legend. Uh, we're up to about 1980. Uh, okay. Gary, so we've got a bit to cover. But uh, 1980s in Perth, I'm sure it was a pretty wild time. Uh, I won't ask you to uh, to dig too deeply uh, into the vault because I'm sure you've told people that you're going to keep a lot of their, uh, <laughs> their secrets a secret. But um, just can you paint a picture for us? I mean, you're part of a brand new venture. You, you know, you, you're blazing trails here on FM radio, this new thing called uh, FM radio. It must have been a... a 
a huge time for you and, and for people in the industry generally. Oh, yeah. we I think we had quite a dramatic impact in the marketplace, and there were a lot of reasons why. Um, John Illion, who designed the logo um, and everything you saw externally, yep. John was responsible for, and he looked after it for the next 12 years that I was there um, and is one of the great creatives in Perth. And we were yep. very fortunate to have inherited John um, and it made every conversation we had about the things that we were doing yep. really easy. Mm. Um, so the logo was outstanding and still the best logo, I think, that any radio station's ever had. It's a pity it's not being used now. Um, and every time I sat down to talk with John about creative, um, he always produced something um, that was outstanding. Yep. And I can still look back on it now and go, you know what? That survived the decades. Mm. So great talent, John. The other thing that uh, was really significant that happened in the 80s was uh, the decision to do the Sky Show. Mm. Uh, I'd been in uh, San Diego and saw what they do on July yep. 4 yep. Um, after a basketball game. And uh, the guy was running a station called KGB uh, in San Diego <laughs> at that stage. who's a mate of mine. Yeah. Uh, I said, I want to take this to Perth um, because our Australia Day celebrations in Perth are embarrassing. Yeah, what, what – what, what? Well, it was a stage oh, down guess. on what, the – What did we do there? We Nothing. had a stage down on the Esplanade and we have a bunch of people who sort of could sing. Um, maybe 3,000 people would turn up. And that was the Australian Day celebration. The anthem and a bit of Waltz and Matilda and that's about it. Well, just music generally. Yeah. And, um, you know, just couldn't pull a crowd. Yeah. And uh, I'd been in America and watched July 4 and thought, why can't we do this in Australia? This is ridiculous. We should stand up and be proud of what's been achieved. So um, I talked to the uh, Americans, uh, the pyrotechnicians. I talked to um, the producers and said, I want to bring this to Australia. Mm. Um, how would we go about it? So I ended up negotiating my way through that. Um, and we launched the first one in 1985, but I also mm. conned Adelaide into coming on board as well so I could split the costs. Um, so uh, we then went to the city of Perth and told them we'd expected a crowd of about 30,000. Um, so on the night, um, oh, and I'd also had quite a Barney with um, – Jack Bendout about the cost of it at that stage. So, so this was all a ninety six FM venture. Yeah, these are all at that point. Yeah. Wasn't it? Wasn't a city of Perth or government or no, no, no. no. no yeah. Well, the city of Perth let us go ahead because we told yeah. them only thirty thousand people to turn up. I'm thinking <laughs> if I only get thirty thousand people, this is going to be a disaster, and I'll get a lecture from Bendout and Stokes. Um, anyway, about twenty minutes before we launched, um, I thought uh, we've got a crowd. Yeah, and uh, it turned out to be one hundred and seventy thousand. Yeah. So wow. that was fantastic. The first ever Sky Show was yeah. 170,000. Where we really had sort of the synchronised music, yeah. pyrotechnics yeah. going off. Yeah. yeah. They were actually uh, <laughs> matched. Yeah. I can't say that's the case anymore. But the best part about that was 1988, which was the bicentennial. Yeah. Um, where we uh, put on an amazing show. It really was yeah. fabulous. A lot of money went into it. Um, and we had half a million people turn out. So it's that was a record anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we were very proud of it and uh, it continued um, mm. until I left in 2002. Mm. Sorry, 1992. I left the next station in 2002. Mm. Um, so after 12 years, seven years of that had been spent um, mm. on Sky Show and took an enormous amount of time to put together. But it changed the celebration of Australia Day yeah. significantly. And for that, I think uh, everyone involved should be very proud. Oh, it's a, it's a landmark on the calendar, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. Part of our 
part of our yearly uh, yeah. list of events, isn't it? It's amazing. Um, when you you know you think back and obviously you've had great success at a number of radio stations here, is it is it your intuition uh, that's guided you, or did you learn from someone else? Obviously, you've got this ability to to read the play and go, that is good radio. Let's do that. That is what people want to listen to because ultimately, if you don't have listeners, you don't have you don't have yeah. a business, do you? Where did it come from? Um, let me tell you, research has got a lot to do with anything that you yeah. do. Um, Opinion is just opinion until it's backed up with research and fact. So until you understand that, and that's what I had to learn in Auckland, of all places. Mm. I flew into Auckland and thought, this is the weirdest place on earth. How am I going to understand this? So straight into the research, um, and within a month I had a grip on what was going on within the city, but I mm. had to learn so much in such a short period of time. Mm. It's the same in any radio station, I think any media you have to do the research to understand what the outcome is going yeah. to be and how you can take advantage of it. Okay. So, I, you know, I put it down to research, man. Yeah, okay. I was, are you guided by the, um, you know, the ratings data? Obviously, they're hugely important. Yeah. Can I just say that I had to fill out a rating survey, <laughs> radio rating survey, and it was the most tedious bloody thing I've ever had to do. Isn't it? It was terrible. It's embarrassing and to that, think that we still have books. Exactly, that uh, that radio stations live and die and, and, yeah. and people on air live and die by this no. this outdated old pen and paper. It, I couldn't, yeah. be, couldn't believe it. No. And I, and I, but, I, but I also wondered how many people actually fill those out seriously because it was actually a, it was a pain in the ass. Yeah, well, over the normal <laughs> survey period, uh, and these are the numbers we quote, Yeah, uh, but it's two waves in the one figure. Um, you get 1,850 people. Yeah. Um, so that's what it is, but split that in two, and that's what happens uh, in any wave. And one yeah. wave gets rolled into the next, into the next, into the next. So yeah. that happens eight times a year. Mm. Yeah. But uh, the way that surveys are conducted now yep. is so out of date and embarrassing. It is. Um, I don't know how many times I've screamed blue murder over it, but it's time that it changed and me- me- you know, measurement became electronic. Yeah. not having to give people a book to fill out and record what they yeah. thought they listened to that day. I had to go and find a, find a ruler. I had to go and steal a ruler from my son's pencil case so I could <laughs> fill it out properly. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, so 96 FM, when did you finish up with them and, and, and what prompted your, your exit there? Um, it wasn't lack of love for the brand, mm-hmm. the station and the people. It was purely that we changed ownership for the third time and the people who owned it at that stage were heavily in debt. Um, And as the general manager of the station, they'd keep sending me in overnight bags documents to sign and send back and I would send them back unsigned because I clearly felt that what they were doing was inappropriate and I wasn't going to be part of it. Is this Um, the Triple M? No. Well, it was part of that, yes. Yeah. but, you know, it was, I just got to a stage where I said, I can't work for these people. Okay. This is just not something I'm going yeah. to continue to do. At the same time, Jack Bendat was calling me, uh, wanting me to take over 94, and I kept going, I don't know that I want to work for you, Jack. Um, so we actually had a long discussion about how that would be acceptable, uh, and I made the decision to go uh, based on the fact that Jack was the chair yep. and the owner, and I was the managing director, no one else on the board I made all the calls. Mm. Um, Jack couldn't get me to sign quick enough, and he took off for three months straight away um, so that I had total control. And I said to Jack, 
you're only in the radio station when you're invited in. I know you won't. <laughs> you do have an office, but you don't walk around talking to people. That comes through me. And he goes, oh, okay then. Um, so we got it out of the uh, red into the black inside three months. And yeah. suddenly, you know, he stopped losing money. He was a happy poor. He was a happy he, little Jack. He <laughs> didn't feel a need to come in. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did. And then uh, when we had the opportunity, they changed the legislation where you could have a duopoly. So you could have yeah. two licenses in yep. one market. And I phoned Jack and said, we're going to have to buy another radio station because if we don't, it'll be done to us. So let's see if we can buy what was then uh, PM. Yep. So, um, and then the we PM went, FM transition. Yeah. So we yeah. went to Packer and yep. uh, got the who deal owned, done. Who owned uh, 6PM yep, yep. at the time. Yep. yep. And uh, we had the first duopoly in Australia as a result of that. Yeah. And uh, then put them together and mm. uh, they became very profitable radio yep. stations as a duopoly. Yeah. So did you find yourself having to sort of wear two hats given that they had uh, different appeals? Uh, you know, they were pitching to slightly different markets there. Did you, have, did you feel like you had a greater affinity for one over the other? Um I suppose I felt a little more passionate about 94 because I got to build it from the ground where yeah. I got uh, 92. It already had momentum. Yeah. Um, so the balance was uh, was interesting. Mm. However, we had great people. Mm. Uh, they were both great teams of people. Mm. Um, and putting them together in the same mm. building, one was on the top floor, 92 was on the bottom floor. Um, so they basically continue to operate as yeah. separate radio stations but knew how to party together. God knows we did. <laughs> well, I'm going to tease some stories out of you by the end of this chat. I'm, I'm, that's my goal, Gary. We do need to take a break and we've got a special treat for you. Uh, after that so uh, be prepared maybe be a little bit worried but uh, be prepared for a little uh, trip down memory lane Gary okay that's coming up after we take a break here on 882 6PR you're listening to another edition of inspiring stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day WA's family owned funeral directors this is inspiring stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we have radio legend Gary Roberts with us uh, in this episode. Gary, uh, you kind of almost stepped away from radio, didn't you, in 2002? You'd, you'd finished up with Osterio, uh, which yeah. it would have been a, a great loss uh, to the radio industry here. Uh, so much so that um, uh, in my research uh, before uh, speaking to you today, Gary, we I came across a lovely musical tribute to you, oh uh, which God. we might be able to just share a little bit of oh, now. Nick Nolan. Gary Roberts, how we love you, and from all of us at our stereo, we really don't want you to go. And it goes on and on. I know. It's Nick Nolan. How that didn't chart, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, he was the news editor and a fabulous guy. Um, I still see him and talk to him regularly. Um, he's a fabulous man. Um, yeah. And he was such a great people person um, when we were with Osterio. Yeah. And uh, he was very much part of the team. So, um, mm. no, he was great talent. Yeah. So, you left, you left Osterio. You've gone on a holiday to Italy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, had some time to think about it. Yep. Talk us through your, your, your time there. What, what, what are you processing? Um, 
I actually had decided that my radio career had to come to an end and yeah. I'd do something else with my life and there were a few opportunities on the table. Any, and anything you can remember and that you can tell us? I was offered a job as a finance uh, – sorry, as a managing director of a finance company and I thought, a finance company? Are you serious? Uh, you know, exactly, a CPA, for God's <laughs> sake. What do you want me for? Uh, and they said, we want your marketing skills. And I went, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Running a finance company, no. No, mm. thank you. It's not something I want to do. But um, at the same time, Nova materialized. And uh, Paul Thompson uh, wanted me to be part of it, to launch yep. it, because we knew one another very well and we had a fair bit of interesting history. Yep. And um, I thought, I get to launch another radio station? Mm. Absolutely, let's do it. Of course. So I did that, you know, and uh, I got to hire an amazing group of people. Yeah. Again, another great team. And I've been very fortunate I've had great teams uh, working for me normally for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, the number of people who work for me for a decade is actually extraordinary, but it's about the environment and it's about the success of the brand and um, an understanding of what needs to be achieved. How would you describe your style as a boss? <laughs> I think you're better off asking somebody else that. Well, I'll get your version um, and then maybe I'll get some other people's <laughs> I think most people find me direct. Yeah. Um, they're never going to leave the room wondering what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, let, let, let's I call tell it them honest. Why. I yeah. tell them why. You know, yeah. I think it's about um, being honest with people all the mm. time, mm. Um, not avoiding the reality of whatever the situation is, mm. um, and also acknowledging what has been done successfully and what people yep. have achieved is really important. A lot of what goes on in these days, people don't get acknowledgement for what they do and what they achieve, and yep. that's really sad. Um, it always seems to be, oh, no, it's the next thing, it's the next thing, yeah, that's the past, whatever. Mm. Now, I'm one of those people who always looks forward. I don't mm. look back. Mm. Um, however, people need to be uh, acknowledged for what they achieve, and yep. I'd like to think that I at least do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, building great teams is about putting the right people together and that's all about fit when they're yep. employed. Yep. When you interview somebody, the first thing you're looking for, if you're smart, is fit. Um, it's not about their sexuality. It's not about whether they're male or female. It's not about anything else. It's about fit in the environment that they're coming into um, and if they can deliver the sort of content that you're looking mm. for. So when you when you go in, uh, obviously you had a some sort of idea or brief uh, for – where Nova should be sitting in the market. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think back to some of the some of the marketing uh, around Nova <laughs> when it first started off, but it was it was it was supposed to be a, a slightly more um, uh, alternative yeah. uh, version. Uh, not, sorry, not version. Alternative station to something like uh, 92.9. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a bit younger than 96. Uh, am I sort of remembering yeah. it right? Yeah. Well, the positioning on it was sounds different. Yes. And it did. And you had the little the little red man yep. with the yep, yep. Yep. logo. Uh, Nova Boy was part of it. And yep. that was significant in terms of making a statement on behalf of the brand because mm. no one else had anything like it. So yep. uh, there were so many positive things done. Yep. Never more than two ads in a row. Well, yep. that died in 2009, <laughs> but it was good in 2002. Um you know, it was always going to be limiting about the revenue potential of the brand, yep. um, but it was a great place to launch. Mm. And um, in terms of, you know, the way it was structured, how the brand stood, the statements we made in the marketplace was so fresh. Yeah. Uh, it was always going to work, and it did. And you got to play music that wasn't going to be played on the other stations as well, I suppose. Yeah, I guess it, you know, it was considered to be somewhere between, you know, 92 and the Jays. Yeah. 
that was generally the perception of it. Yep. Not quite true, but uh, mm. that was the perception. Do you do you like the music that gets played on these stations? Um. <laughs> That's a good question. Most of it, yes, I do. Most of it, I'll listen to. Yeah, it's got to be a saleable product, doesn't yeah. it? You don't have to like it for other people to like. No, it. No, no. But do you? Do you personally like a lot if, of the music? If, that if gets I played? programmed by personal taste, yeah, it wouldn't be successful. Yeah. What do you? What do you listen to? If you? If you? If you were on a road trip, you're driving across the Nullarbor, you get ten CDs in your car. What are you going to choose, Gary Roberts? Well, the last time I was on the uh, Nullarbor, which actually is a long time ago, that was actually 1980, I was listening to Led Zeppelin. So there you go. (laughs) What would I be listening to today? Um, Michael Franti, I love. I think it's one of the best acts I've ever uh, seen. And, um, you know, I will go and see that type of act any day of the week. Yeah. Okay. It's a so, tough question. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, I, I don't think I can narrow it down yeah. to one thing, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, in terms of picking like a, a you know a breakfast team, you've obviously got a mm-hmm. pretty successful uh, team there, but uh, ha- that that doesn't just materialise, you know, no, after it doesn't. putting an ad out on Seek. No. <laughs> so, Gary, when you when you're building a new brand, and you know you've got to choose a, a breakfast team. You know, you can't just put out an ad in the paper and expect mm-hmm. to get uh, this uh, beautiful team that's got great synergy and chemistry, you've got to pick people that you think are going to work and people yeah. are going to want to flick on in the car every morning. Um, you, you've ended up with a, a, a very successful team in uh, Nathan, Nat and Sean. How, how does that come about? Um, it's when you go looking for unique talent. Uh, I wasn't looking for a radio person. I was looking for somebody who was different uh, and would produce compelling content that you just have to listen to. And... Um, it was really bizarre. I was told by Kylie Payne that I should be talking to Nathan. And I said, you mean that guy and the big brother with the yeah. and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. yeah. So you should be talking to him. I'm thinking, I don't even like big brother. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was standing with the program director at the time, uh, the front of the building, and I, I watched him come out of the Subi Hotel. And I said, go and get him and let's actually see whether he's got talent or not. So... Uh, we did. We sent yep. him out on the streets with a, a tape deck and said, just go and talk to people. I want to listen to what you do. And uh, he came back and it was just hysterical. Yeah. Um, and it was like, I think I found somebody. Um, and also at the same time, I'd gone shopping for a female and had come up with a number uh, that you know just weren't right. And of all people, Nat pops out uh, yep. from a guy who I interviewed for the job who was a comedian, except... I didn't rate him, but I said, do you know mm. any females I should be talking to? to? Mm. And he said, you should talk to Nat. So I met Nat and automatically I thought, my God, this has got some potential. Mm. Um, she's very intelligent and she's doing stand-up. And hang mm. on a second, she's a chiropractor. How's this going to work in radio? So <laughs> it doesn't sound – none of this sounds right. It's yeah. just about being instinctive and going for people who will fit together and deliver yep. something that stands out, and that's exactly what happened. It took time to develop. Uh, we had to be, you know, uh, gentle on the way through and make sure they got plenty of room to move. Um, and you know, they mm. always contributed. They didn't just sit there and get told what to do. It was about what about what about what about. Uh, as a result, they've developed into a sensational team. Mm. Um, Shawnee Sean, Mac. Sean's been with them for eight years. Sean was uh, working for me, running around um, the streets when we had 92.9. And uh, at that stage, he was playing football. 
and all he wanted to do was go around and give out fee stuff and uh, didn't actually communicate that well. Uh, and when we were looking to uh, replace uh, the sports reporter, yeah. um, we got him in and had another chat to him and suddenly he'd grown up and matured and was a different person. It, so, it had to happen sooner or later. Yeah, well, you know, inevitably it happens to everyone. But only to some extent. <laughs> so uh, he became part of the team. Yeah. And, um, and going, been, still going great guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you left uh, Nova, you said, uh, I'm, I'm resigning, but mm-hmm. I'm not retiring. Yep, exactly. That, um, was, uh, that was, what, uh, a couple of years ago? No, no, no. No, no, it was, no, a year ago? I've only left Nova six weeks ago, for God's sake. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> um, no, I, I left Nova because I felt yeah. after 16 Sorry, years, of course I've been there as long as it mm. was fair and reasonable for everyone. Mm. Um, it couldn't be more successful than what it is. Yep. Um, I left in the end of June. That was a record yep. revenue month. My apologies. I've, one, I've, I've been in a time warp, Gary. <laughs> no, no, no. I've only been wandering around the streets um, <laughs> since July too. So, <laughs> have you gotten used to, uh, to to not being there in the Nova offices every day? I I miss the people. Yep. But I don't miss everything else. Yeah. Uh, I'm just missing the people because they're a fabulous group of people. Yeah. There must be something very satisfying about building something from from scratch too. You, you, I mean, obviously you were lured to the idea yeah. of it doing uh, doing it again with Nova in the first place. Yeah, I, and it's rare. Yeah, you don't get to build something from the ground up in media. Yeah, on a regular basis, and I've yeah. given the opportunity a couple of times, and I've been lucky enough to uh, to mm. do okay. So, no, it's been very enjoyable. It's mm. fabulous. Great to hear. Uh, we need to head to a break, Gary. Okay. But uh, we'll be back with more uh, in this edition of WA's Inspiring Stories in a moment. This is 882 6PR. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. My special guest uh, is Gary Roberts, uh, a.k.a. God's Gift to Radio, <laughs> a.k.a. Guido. Was it Guido the, 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 the pimp killer? The Guido the pimp killer. Yeah, I was, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> Ian Cameron is responsible some, for that's that. That's some nickname. He's responsible for a lot of things, that man. <laughs> and it stuck for a while. You've, you've, you've worked, though, with some of the biggest personalities uh, we've ever heard uh, in this state, you know, yeah. in, in radio particularly. Um, can I put you on the spot and say who, who's maybe – I won't ask you to name the, the individual unless you're comfortable, but um, the absolute best that you've worked with over the years in terms of the, the on-air, on-air talent. Who do, who do you rate as being the most gifted? I've probably got a list. Um, but, you know, Fred was yep. remarkable uh, in that environment. Nathan's been fabulous in that environment. Um, Ian was just a – a fascinating individual yep. and always um, thought outside the square. You know, he was just great at that. Um, Nat, who's on the air now, uh, another very intelligent human being that uh, knows how to structure. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who have, we've worked together over the years that have been great people. Bill Alley back in the uh, mm. 80s days at 96 was the right person on the air at the right time. Steve Gordon, who you guys mm. have probably heard wandering around at uh, PR occasionally, he was great doing nights because his music knowledge is fabulous. Um, I don't know that I can name oh, you know people 
outside what they were specifically good at as being the best in the industry, simply at the time they were the right person in the right yep. place. Um, and certainly what you're hearing on the air, uh, Nova now is bloody good. Mm. Uh, Dave is good. Ross is good. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who are very good at what they do. Yeah. Um, but when you get down to the key breakfast shifts, you know, Fred, Nathan, Nat, um, Ian, yeah. all great talents and yeah. you couldn't deny it any other way. You know, Gary Shannon was part of that at uh, 92. When, um, hey, I imagine he would have been a hand. The morning manage. zoo. No, Gary was always easy. Uh, he always had an attitude, but so did Paul Redman, <laughs> for God's sake. Um, they were a good team. They were a very good team at the time yeah. uh, as the morning zoo, you know, and they won. Hugely uh, successful, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a lot of people who have been part of radio in mm. my career, well, in Perth over the last 38 years, um, who I'd rate very highly. Mm. Um, and they're the ones who, you know, managed to stick it because mm. um, that's important as well. Mm. Um, and they have. All yeah. of those people have lasted right through that period of time. Um, over the years, um, would I be right in saying that it's the, I suppose the style of presentation has, has changed a little bit. The focus oh. on the music has uh, drifted uh, a little bit more towards from the you know from the music to entertainment comedy value that sort of stuff is that something that 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 uh, that you've been comfortable with or are you still a real music purist at heart? Depends what the radio station stands for. Yeah, um, Nova, you know, entertainment is a key to what it does. Yeah, uh, compelling content is really important. Yeah, music is an important part of the brand. You know, 96, we built around music. That's exactly. all it was intended yep. to be, even yep. down to commercial free hours, mm. uh, artist features, requests, all that sort of stuff yep. was really important. That was the music. The guys on the air had to know their music more importantly than anything else. Yeah. Um, whereas Nova, uh, it's about compelling content and the right music uh, for that particular brand and the demographic profile. Mm. Uh, in terms of uh, technological disruptions, uh, I suppose radio, like TV and print, you know, have been hugely disrupted by uh, new technologies. Um, or the better. Of, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Um, but it's made, uh, for those who uh, have grown up in the, you know, in the, in, in the old traditions, it's, it's, it, it's been a, a difficult transition for a lot of people. Um, in, in terms of uh, its impact on radio, um, how did you sort of take on those challenges? Did you, did you see it as a, uh, as a threat ever or... Uh, or as an opportunity? Everyone suggested there were threats. Yeah. Um, and there were so many people who thought that the end of radio was nigh. Rubbish. Radio has never been stronger. Um, and if you can get a radio station with a cumulative audience of 600,000, you're doing bloody well. Mm. Uh, and that's exactly where Nova is. Um, you know, we got 94 to 500,000 and thought that was sensational. Um, the market is still growing. Mm. It's not going backwards. However, the time spent listening to radio has decreased because people have got so many other options and you've just got to accept that. So yep. it comes back to the content. If the content is compelling, people will continue to listen to radio. Um, if we just become a network station um, and you hear something that happened 3,000 k's away, you'll probably start to lose them. Which we're hearing more and more, aren't we? Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, but the reality is radio is not about to die. Um, is it, it is it the, to be great. Is it the, the, the place that can just print money like it used to be up to in decades gone by, though? Or is it is – is it, is it, <laughs> it, it must be tougher because we're taking syndicated programs from, from over east. Um, there's more sort of, you know, prepackaged content. 
there's more. Uh, it seems like there's more sort of you know advertorial content being weaved in there yeah. uh, as well. Is that just the financial reality of the time? Um, well, the financial reality of radio is it's still making really yeah. good money. I yeah. can promise you that Nova is a very successful business. Um, SCA running uh, 94 and 92 is a very successful business. Um, it's a little tougher further down the food chain, but the reality is there's a lot of money yeah. to be had in the market, providing you can deliver results for your clients. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, though, the way that people consume it, I mean, for instance, this show that hopefully people are enjoying right now, they can uh, they can access uh, by podcast. Just sure. search for Inspiring Stories and it'll come up. It's very easy to find. Um, <laughs> but they can listen to it uh, whenever they want, half an hour, half yep, later, absolutely. whatever. They can then, you know, latch on to other episodes uh, as well. Uh, things are changing. Yep. Um, it's about the it, compelling where content. Where do you see it going? And, but the audience now, has just said, we have so many choices at our fingertips. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why people want to know what's going on in their market. Yeah. So radio has to remain local. Yeah. They want to know what the day is going to be like. They want mm. to know what's going to take place in their own backyard. If you tell them what's going on on the other side of the world, are they yeah. going to be interested? No, they'll find something yeah. else to listen to. Uh, so, Gary, you've only had really a few weeks to sort of uh, adjust to your new reality. But uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do when you wake up in the morning? What do you do to chill out, switch off, or are you thinking about uh, your next move? Uh, I get up and go to the gym every morning. Good on you. Yeah. <laughs> How boring. And don't think I'm there because I enjoy it. I can promise you I don't, but I have to go. Uh, so that's exactly what I did this morning. Um, but I've got some projects that I'm working on, and yep. we'll see what happens from that point in time. Okay. Watch this space then. <laughs> yeah, basically. The Gary Roberts legend continues. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story with us. We really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Everyone has a story to tell, and this one, Gary Roberts, brought to you by Bower and O'Day. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA Inspiring Story. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.